Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. That is better than any Christmas presents you can get. It's, it's an understanding of something. And I'm going to go ahead and put the background up, and I want you to see this. This is my Christmas gift to you. Stop trying to do what only God can do. Okay? That's a gift. Amen. This guy got it right here. He got it right there in the front row. Stop trying to do what only God can do. A lot of times we get headaches. We bang our heads against the walls. We get frustrated, we struggle, we have problems, and we're, we're, we're angry, and we don't understand what's going on and why this isn't happening, and we try to do things that only God can do. So I want to give you a, a pre-Christmas gift tonight with some verses and some understanding. Let's start in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11. And let's get this understanding right here that God says, Yours, O Lord is the greatness. How many believe we've got a great God? Now listen, we say a lot of times God is good, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I like to say God is great. Because he's not just good, he's great. He's awesome, amen? And there we see, yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory, and the majesty. So if we're going to have victory, how many want to live in victory tonight? Let me see your hands. You want to live in victory. If we're going to live in victory, then God's got to be in control, not us. Okay? He says, the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Father, anoint your word tonight for a few minutes. Just allow us to be challenged. Just allow us to be comforted. Allow us to receive this gift, God, that is understanding that we cannot do what you can do. Father, And when we try to do it, we get in your way. Help us to get out of your way tonight and let you do things that are supernatural in our lives and, and show us how miraculous you are and how powerful you are. Just move tonight, Lord, and let us leave challenged and let us leave with a powerful word in our spirits tonight. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Put that verse right back up again real, real quick. I'm going to read it again. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty. All that is in heaven and earth is yours. Guess what that means? Your problems are God's. Amen? Your struggles are God's. Your lack is God's. Your sickness is God's. Your marital problems are God's. Your financial problems are God's. Everything you're struggling with is God's. And we try to take it from Him. We try to make that sickness ours. Or we try to make that financial, I've got a financial problem. I've, I've got a marital problem. I've got this problem. And when you do that, guess what? God, because he's a sovereign God and he's a God that gives us free will, will say, okay, go ahead and take it then. Because if you have it, I can't. God says, if you have it, I can't. It's mine, but if you want to take it, then I give you free will. Go ahead and take it. Go ahead and beat your head against the wall. Go ahead and struggle. Go ahead and get frustrated. Try to do what only I can do, right? Don't we do that? Am I talking to anybody tonight? We try to do that. We try to get in God's position. We try to, and we don't do it on purpose, but we do. 
We get in there and we start, we start assessing the situation and, and we say, well, I'm going to take control of this. And, and listen, there's nothing wrong with action. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we shouldn't act. I'm not saying we shouldn't do. I'm not saying those, that we shouldn't be involved. And God wants action. The Bible says faith without works is dead. But I'm telling you that a lot of times you've got your hands on the situation and God can't move because he can't have two hands in the pot. And we need to lift our hands off and, again, stop trying to do what only God can do. Amen? Let's go to Matthew 9. I want to just read, sorry, Mark chapter 9. I want to just read one, one story to you tonight in the Bible and just kind of use this as an example of, of what this means. Okay? And this, this, is, this is whether you're in, in high school, going to school, you got school problems, or you're, or you're, or you're in college, or, or you're starting a new job, or you've been working at your job for a long time, or what, whatever your situation is tonight, this is for you. Stop trying to do what only God can do. We see this story in the Bible in Mark 9, 14. And Jesus is preaching. He's going to the multitudes, and, and this story happens. It says, when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and, and scribes disputing with them. And immediately when they saw him, they were greatly amazed. And running to him, they greeted him. See, that's what we need to do. We need to run to Jesus. Okay? We need to run to him. See that capital H right there? We need to remember that capital H, H-I-M, is who we need. And running to him, they greeted him, and he said, What are you discussing with them? And one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. Now, before we keep reading, this is, this is, this is a situation of a boy who's demon-possessed, but I want you to put your situation there, whatever it is. And it says, whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, he foams at the mouth, it gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. And so I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. And he answered and said, O oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. See, we need to take the problems to the problem solver. Does anybody know the problem solver tonight? We need to stop taking our problems to other people. We need to take our problems to the problem solver. He can answer. He can break. He can restore. He can change. He can transform. He can heal. He can do everything we need him to do, but we got to get it to him. Amen? And stop trying to do it ourselves. So they brought him to him. And when he saw him Immediately, I love this, when that spirit saw Jesus, immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at that mouth. That spirit began to manifest when it saw Jesus. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? He said, from childhood. Maybe tonight you're dealing with something you've been dealing with your whole life. Maybe you're here tonight and you think, this is just who I am. This is just what I this is just something I've got to live with. This is just me. This is this is what the what what the Lord has dealt me or what my life has dealt me. Maybe you've been struggling with something for all your life, like this boy from childhood. It says, often he has thrown him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But here's the key: if you can do anything, 
have compassion, leave that up there, have compassion on us and help us. All you have to do is turn to the way maker. Turn to the healer. Turn to the king. Amen. All you got to do is get your eyes off the problem and get your eyes on the problem solver tonight. Amen. Who is Jesus? How many know he's the problem solver? He's the marriage maker. He's the financial guru. Amen. He's the, he's the, he's the helpmate. He's everything you need. He's the one that can do the impossible. But we've got to put our eyes on him. Have compassion on us and help us. 23. Jesus says, here's the key. If you can believe. If you can believe. Now this is the key. When I say stop trying to do what only God can do, I can't stop you from doing, trying to do what only God can do. And you can't stop me from trying to do what only God can do. Each one of us individually have to believe. That God can change my situation. That God can turn this thing around. That God can do something amazing. We'll get back to this verse in a second. But worry is a humongous problem in our lives. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because everybody deals with worry. But some are experts at it. Some have gotten it down. To a, to a perfection, amen? And, and we just worry about everything. And we worry about things we cannot control. How many know there's a lot of things we cannot control? I mean, just, just for me tonight, there is nothing I can control about what's going on with my mom. I, and other than praying. And other than the spiritual side, you get what I'm saying? I don't have, I don't, there's no money I could have that could fix the problem. I, there's, no, there's nothing I could do in this particular situation to help my parents. There's nothing I, I could try, but there's nothing I could do. And all of us have situations we're facing. We have loved ones. We have family members that are struggling with things. We have uh, situations that are totally out of our control. And we can't do anything about it, but we're trying. We're trying. We say, I got I to do something. You know, a lot of us, I got to do something. Now, again, there's a balance to that. We should, there's times when we need to move. But this is that point where God is saying, stop trying to do what only I can do. Amen. Say that with me. I'm going to stop trying to do what only God can do. Amen. So he says, if you believe some things are possible. All things. That's why as believers, church, there's nothing. In, we say there's nothing God can't do. There's no healing God can't do. There's no financial problem God can't fix. There is no marriage too far gone. There is no body too cancerized, too sick, too dead, too, too, too gone. There's no addiction too long. Amen. There's nothing that God cannot do. It says all things are possible. But then we'll say, well, but yeah, but this such but. But don't put a but in there. Say all things, it says, all things are possible to him who believes. This is very important because, again, I, I'm, I can pray with you, and I can believe for you, and I can believe for a miracle for you, and you can pray for me, but what releases the power of God in our lives is our personal belief. Our personal belief. If you read the scriptures... And you see it right here. But if you read all these stories in the Bible where Jesus would heal people, 
where he'd cast out a demon, where paralytics would get up and walk, where, where, where the woman with the issue of blood was healed. All the healings in the, in the Bible, Jesus always said, your faith. Your faith. He didn't say my power. We know his power does it. But he always says, your faith has made you whole. Amen? Your faith has made you whole. So it is a personal thing with us tonight. We have to understand that God is the one who moves. God is the one who does. And if we don't understand that, this is what we're going to do. We're going to try to control the uncontrollable. We're going to try to do the undoable. We're going to try to, have you ever tried to explain the unexplainable? Right? Have fun with that. Have you ever tried to stop the unstoppable? Like that, see? There's nothing I could have done to stop that from falling. Right? Thank you, Lord, for that illustration. Amen? Right on cue. Amen. Have you ever tried to fix the unfixable? Amen? How many know that there are... There are marriages, there are finances, there are, are things that are in the world are unfixable. What, what, what does it say in the divorce court? Irreconcilable, un, unfixable differences. But how many in here have seen God do a miracle in your marriage? Let me see your hands. You've seen God do a miracle in your marriage. All over this place, amen? God has done miracles in marriages. Here's a good one. Bear the unbearable. How many times do we bear the burden that is supposed to be God's? We're, we're losing a lot of sleep. Some of you in here can't stay awake in the service. I know, you, you know you're losing some sleep. Amen? Amen. Or you're praying real hard. One of the two. I don't know which one it is. Amen. But some, we come in on a Wednesday night. Sometimes I see one up and one down. Amen? Sometimes I see the whites. If you could just be up here sometimes, huh, Pastor Mario, you'd be amazed at what you see. Amen. And we still keep preaching. Let's finish this up. Go back to the verse. I think we're in 24. Now, here's the key. How many doubt sometimes? Let me see if there's anybody lying in here. How many doubt sometimes? We doubt. But we don't have to doubt for long. But we doubt. That moment comes. I don't know if this is possible. And this man honestly says to God, Immediately, the father of the Lord cries out with tears. Now, if this man had been struggling with this boy for, for since childhood, we don't know how old this boy was, but it, it, was long, it was a long time, and he'd been seeing this boy just convulse and, and throw himself into fire and throw himself into water, and, and over and over he's going through this, and he says, Lord, I believe. So he makes a statement, but then he also shows that I need help with my unbelief. That's why I'm preaching this message tonight. That's why this is a pre-Christmas Christmas gift. Because the, the help with the unbelief is that you stop trying to do what only God can do. You stop trying to do what only God can do. Get your hands off it. How many understand how big God is? Let's look at Matthew chapter 8, verse 27. Listen to what uh, Jesus stops the wind. And, and, and they said, the men marveled and said, Who can say, how can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? Right? 
We're not talking about uh, something small. We're talking about the winds, those winds that are hurricanes, those winds that are tornadoes, those winds that take semis up into the air, those winds that destroy cities. Seas and winds obey him when he speaks. So why am I trying to stop the wind? Why am I trying to stop the sea? Why am I trying to do something I cannot do when God can do it? Why don't I take some of that energy tonight that I'm focusing on myself and the power that I have and start focusing it on Jesus? Jesus, you can do this. Help me with my unbelief. You put that back up there? So the men marveled and said, who can this be? Do we know him? Do you know him? Do you know who the who is? Amen. Jesse said it at prayer. Jesus. It's Jesus. Amen. It's Jesus. Now, the last time you thought that today you might have, fa- you might have faced something today. You might have been facing something. But I want to ask you a question that only you can answer. Are you involving Jesus in this equation? Are you talking about the problem or are you talking to Jesus, the problem solver? That's the problem we do a lot of times. We're, we're busy, but we're busy worrying. We're busy trying to fix it. We're busy questioning. Pastor Mario said a great word at, at, at offering, patience. Patience is a tough thing to deal with, amen? But if we, why worry? If we would acknowledge that God is con, in control, that's the first step. How many tonight could acknowledge that God is in control? Have you ever seen things happen in your life where you go, man, that, God was totally saving me from something right there? I've used this example a lot of times, and I'm going to end with the story that's, that kind of uses it. But I, I, I've said this before, but it's been a long time. There have been times in my past when I was younger, and even in my high school days, and I would start my car or something, the car wouldn't start, or I'd get mad, and I'd get angry, and I'd get all frustrated, or, or something would get delayed, and I'd get angry, and I'd get mad, and I'd get frustrated. And at one point in my life, I don't know what age I was, but I had this revelation that whenever something like that goes wrong, God is saving me from something. You realize if you get hit by a car or if you get in an accident or if any of those things happen, do you realize how amazingly split second the difference is of something happening or not happening? Just being in Costa Rica, it reminded me, and I was telling, uh, I don't even remember who I was telling the story, but um, I, I don't, it's been a really long time since I told it, but I'll, I'll share this story of something that happened with Carla and I 20-something years ago, right? Probably 20 years ago. We were down in Costa Rica visiting. We weren't even living there yet. And uh, we had, I had been there to learn Spanish, but it had been several years removed. And so we're there. There's no GPS at this time. Okay, there's no Waze. There's no Google Maps. And uh, my father-in-law and mother-in-law asked Carla and I to, to take the car and go pick up my sister-in-law, Paola, from from a, some kind of class she was in. And so we got in the car, and we started driving, and we got lost. And, and, and the, the, it was, it, we just got delayed, and we started driving all through. We just, I mean, we'd both been gone for a while. She couldn't remember where we were going. We knew where we, were, we, knew where we had to get to, but we couldn't get there. And, and, and the streets aren't marked like they are here. So long story short, I don't know how long we were lost, but we were lost for quite a while, 20, 30 minutes at least. We finally get back to the freeway. Now, we're, now all those roads, big, you know, regular roads, we get to a freeway like this out here where they're going fast. And it's still backed up. There's, there's lots of traffic. I, I actually brought something back on my phone. I'm going to show the guys in discipleship on Friday of how crazy the traffic is in Costa Rica. Okay? 
Now, it's not just Costa Rica because there's a lot of places around the world. It's crazy here too, right? But if you think it's crazy here, just let me, let me show you what, what we deal with in Costa Rica. Uh, we, we were, when you go someplace, okay, for this example, example we were coming back from my, with my brother-in-law. I'm going to get back to my story in a second because that was my brother-in-law I was telling about. We were going to, pit to take some catering for him. He has a catering business. And then he was going to go take me to church that Wednesday night to preach. And, and we left about three hours before I had to preach because I know how it is. We dropped off the catering, put in ways. Watch this. Stay with me. From the place we were at to the church, it was a distance of four miles. Okay, four miles. Everybody know what four miles is? Not much. As the crow flies. We could have, it was just four miles. I mean, it literally showed point to point. So then we hit the GPS, and we had to drive, because we couldn't go straight through. We had to drive six miles. Just six miles. Those six miles, so I said six miles distance, 48 minutes. That's traffic. Six miles take 48 minutes. That's why we had to leave three hours early. So in this, in this time we're going to pick up my sister-in-law, we finally get to, the, to near the freeway, like out here on 35, we're going to get on. It was backed up. Finally get on the freeway, we finally start getting some speed. I get up to about probably 50 miles an hour. And one of the worst things that's ever happened to me in my life happened. A flash went in front of the car. And then a bang. And then a boom. And then glass was shattered all over my wife's lap. And we hit somebody. I hit a man. And the second it happened, I thought, God, I hope that's a dog. Please let that be an animal. I mean, it, we were going 50 miles an hour. All I saw was a flash. And this man was, was if you had pictured out there, now this wall's too high here, but there's certain parts of the freeway there where it's literally this tall. And this man was trying to cross the road from the bus stop. There's bus stops on both sides. And he was trying to get across the road, which is just two lanes, to get to the other bus stop. And the witnesses told me later that he was just doing this. And he thought he could get out, and he stepped out in front of the car, hit the car, hit the windshield, flew back to the other side of the road, and I killed him. I took his life. He died. He was a 57-year-old pastor. And he was coming from a pastor's meeting, and he was heading home. And... I don't say that to, uh, you know, sound bad or anything, but that's a tragic thing, right? Why did I say that? Because the split second, if, if I'd have got there two seconds earlier or two seconds later, that man would still be alive. We went through all that detour. We got through all that traffic, and it still happened. That's why we have to understand that things are, the, 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 that things are so minimal in that time that, that the way we see things can happen in an instant, Okay. And it's so important that we understand that because we have to realize God is in control of everything. That was where I really realized in my life that when it's time to go, it's time to go. God already knew that man was going to die that day. Amen? How many know that the day you're going to pass into eternity is already established? God already knows it. And so why are we worrying so much? Why are we trying to control? There's nothing I could do to control what happened to that man. I'm just driving. And I could say, oh, if I'd have done this or I'd have done that or if we wouldn't have got lost. Or, but see, the thing is, if all that would have happened, then that, I would have never even been talking about it in the first place. I can't control that. And, and how many know we, we live our lives a lot of times 
frustrated and angry and upset over things we cannot control. Amen? There's things that are out of our control. So stop trying to do what only God can do. Amen? I want, I want you to think about this. Why do brown cows eat green grass and make white milk? Can somebody explain that to me? That's an unexplainable thing. Brown cows eat green grass and make white milk. Doesn't make sense, does it? How I many know there's some things that don't make sense? She just makes chocolate milk. Amen. That'd be better. I don't know why brown cows eat green grass and make white milk, but I know that I trust that God made it that way. Do you get what I'm saying? There's just a lot of things in life we can't understand. They're, they're going to they're gonna make you go crazy if you think about it. You just have to sit back and say, God, I can't control this. I can't control this any more than I can control the weather. Any more than I can control not hitting that guy or hitting that guy. Any more than I can control my mother falling out of a wheelchair. There are things you cannot control. You cannot control your children. You cannot control your, your spouse. You cannot control each other. We have to control ourselves. Amen? And so we got to get to a place where I take my hands off it and I stop trying to do what only God can do. Matthew 6.34 says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for today is the day of its own trouble. Right? We get up every day and we plan. Wasn't that read just at, at, the, at the prayer time? James 4. Isn't that amazing how that ties in? He said, I don't know what he's going to preach, but ties in great. We get up and we say, and Costa Rica's got this down. They say, si Dios quiere, about everything. They've got that down. And what they're saying is, if God wills. But the problem is a lot of people that aren't even saved say it. It's just a saying. If God wills, you know. And it can get a little frustrating sometimes because you're like, you need, I need you to fix my car. And they'll say, well, if God wills. That's not when you want to hear that. Right? I, I, I need to get surgery. Well, if God wills. You know, there's certain times you don't want to hear that religious answer. Right? How many have seen the... The commercial of the doctor, guy's laying in bed and the doctor's coming in, just got his license back. And he says, how's this doctor? He says, he's okay. And the doctor comes in and says, hey, how you feeling? He says, I'm a little nervous. He says, yeah, me too. Well, we'll figure it out. That's not when you want to have that kind of mentality from the doctor, right? So that's not what I'm talking about, though. I'm talking about being able to control something you can't control. Let's close with this verse, Ephesians 3.20. As believers, we've got to believe this verse. Now to him, not to me, to him, who is able. Right now in your situation tonight, right now in your sickness, right now in your family problem, right now in your marital problem, right now in your finances, right now whatever you're facing, you need to say now to him who is able. Now to him who is able. And faith will start to come out of that. Now, to him who is able. Not just like you're just reading the verse. God, you are able. To him who is able not only to answer, not only to control, not only to fix, but to do exceedingly abundantly above. Does anybody know that's the kind of God we serve tonight that does exceedingly abundantly above? He doesn't just meet the status quo. He doesn't just, just, just barely answer it. He does exceedingly, abundantly above what we ask or think. That we ask 
or think according to the power that works in us. What's that power that works in us? Jesus. Amen? How many know that's a good verse to just read over and over right there? Let's read it again. To him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above whatever I ask or think according to the power that works in us. Amen. That's a good verse. Amen. I want to read a story to close from 9-11. A man from Norfolk, Virginia called the local radio station. This is one of my favorite stories. To share this on September 11th of 2003. His name was Robert Matthews, and these are his words. Just picture this. A few weeks before September 11th, my wife and I found out we were going to have our first child. She planned a trip to California to visit her sister. On our way to the airport, we prayed that God would grant my wife a safe trip and be with her. How many do that when you travel? Shortly after I said amen, we both heard a loud pop and the car shook violently. We had blown a tire. Have you ever blown a tire when you're heading somewhere? I replaced the tire as quickly as I could, but we still missed her flight. We were both very upset. We drove home, and I received a call from my father, who was a retired New York Fire Department officer. He said, what was your wife's flight number? And he told him, he said, we've missed the flight. And at that moment, the father-in-law said, the flight that you missed is the one that just crashed into the southern tower of of the Twin Towers. He said, I was too shocked to speak. My father had some more news for me. He was going to go help. This is not, he says, this is not something I can just sit by for. I've got to do something. And the man says, I was concerned for my dad's safety, of course, but more because he had never given his life to Christ. After a brief debate, I knew his mind was made up. And before we got off the phone, he said these words, take good care of my grandchild. Those were the last words I ever heard my father say. He died while helping in the rescue effort of 9-11. Immediately, he says, when he found out his father died, he says, my joy that the prayer of safety for my wife had been answered so quickly became a spirit of anger. Angry at God, angry at my father, angry at myself, and I had gone nearly two years blaming God for taking my father away. My son would never know his grandfather. My father had never accepted Christ, and I never got to say goodbye. Then something happened. He says, about two months ago, remember this call was two years after, I was sitting at home with my wife and my son, and there was a knock on the door. I opened the door to a couple with a smile child. The man looked at me and asked if my father's name was Jake Matthews. I told him it was. He quickly grabbed my hand and said, I never got the chance to meet your father, but it is an honor to meet his son. He explained to me that his wife had worked in the World Trade Center and had been caught inside after the attack. She was pregnant and had been caught under debris. He then explained that my father had been the one to find his wife and free her. My eyes welled up with tears as I thought of my father giving his life for people like this. He then said, There's something else you need to know. 
His wife then told me that as my father worked to free her, she talked to him and led him to Christ. I began sobbing at the news. Now I know that when I get to heaven, my father will be standing beside Jesus to welcome me and that his family would be able to thank him themselves. When their baby was born, they named him Jacob Matthew in honor of the man who gave his life so that baby, that mother and baby could live. This story helps us understand that there's a lot of stuff we can't control. There's a lot of stuff that's out of our, out of our, our own understanding, out of our own control. But if we'll just sit back and say, God, I know that you are able to do exceedingly, abundantly above what I could ask, and this is good, or think. How many have been saved long enough to realize that God does not think like we think? That God has a plan that is... Now listen, for us in this life, there's a lot of people who will never get to hear that story. He might have never had that man come to his house, but he's going to see his dad in heaven. There's a lot of stuff that goes on we don't understand. My pastor, Pastor Jones, said many, many years ago, something that stuck in my spirit forever, one of the many things, but this one was a big one. He said, don't go to, to hell over a mystery. Meaning, quit struggling, quit, quit losing your mind, quit acting crazy over stuff you cannot explain, or you can't understand, or that's not fair, or that doesn't happen the way you want it to happen. God's ways are not our ways. So my gift to you tonight for Christmas is the understanding that you need to stop trying to do what only God can do. Will you take that gift? Will you take that gift? Amen. It's a gift. If you'll take it, God will do some amazing things. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you for this blessing, which is the Bible, which is the story God of hope and redemption, we thank you tonight, God, for this example, Lord, from 9-11 of how you work things out that we don't even see. Lord, as I, as I shared my story tonight about taking that man's life, Lord, I will, I will get to heaven one day and I will meet that man. And he'll probably thank me for getting him to heaven quicker. He'll probably thank me for allowing him to maybe miss out on some kind of suffering. God only knows why. Why that happened, I don't understand it. I can't make sense of it. But I just say, God, you know, you understand. I'm not going to try to control something I can't control. I'm not going to try to explain something I can't explain. You know, God. You know all things. And Lord, my gift to, to this church tonight is that they would understand your word. And they would know that you are able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above whatever we ask or think, according to the power of God that works in us. As that young boy in that story of Mark was healed and delivered, Lord, as he was set free from those convulsions and that spirit of demonic activity, you can do that in our lives. You can do that with our addictions. You can do that with our fears. You can do that with our doubts. You can do that with our marriages. You can do that with our physical bodies. Nothing is impossible for you tonight. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed all across this place, we're going to pray in just a moment. 
And we're going to trust God and we're going to believe God to answer our prayers. And we're going to express to Him, God, I'm going to stop trying to control things I can't control. Stop trying to do things I can't, that only you can do. We're going to release that to Him. But before we do, how many in this place tonight would say, I need to release my life to God? You might be like that man, that firefighter that was lost. And right when his life was flashing before him, he was presented the gospel and he accepted Christ. And he said, Jesus, I believe you're the son of the living God. And I want to be saved tonight. How many in this place could say, Pastor, I am not saved. I am not born again. I've never given my life to Jesus. And I want to do that right now. Would you just lift up your hand and put it right back down all over this place? Amen. I, I don't know your heart. I don't know what you believe. I don't, know, I don't know what you're going through, but I know Jesus is the answer for your problem. I know he's the answer. If you, if you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're lost tonight. God doesn't want you to be lost. He came to seek that which was lost and save it, to save you tonight by the power of the cross. Maybe you're backslidden. Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you know the truth, but you're not living it tonight. Get your life right with God. Say, Lord, I'm sorry for running. I'm going to come home tonight. I'm going to put my faith in you. You are bigger than my situation. I trust you tonight. If you're saved in this place tonight, maybe you're struggling with something I mentioned tonight. Maybe your finances are in turmoil and you're, and you're just allowing those bills to destroy you. Maybe you're having marital problems and, you're, and you've given up on your marriage and you're saying, I, there's just no way that I can make it. Maybe you've got a sickness in your body that the doctors, maybe nobody knows what you're facing tonight physically. Maybe you haven't even been to the doctor, but you've got some pains in your body that scare you and worry you. Maybe, maybe you don't have anything necessarily specifically in your plate, but you, you're scared. You walk in fear. You walk in doubt. You question everything. Maybe you're a controller and you, you're always trying to be in control of everything. And God's telling you tonight, I need you to stop trying to control what you can't control. I need you to stop trying to do what only I can do. And if you'll just let me have this situation, I will do miracles in your life. And if you'll just trust me and express faith tonight, God says, I'll do exceedingly abundantly above whatever you ask or think. Nothing is impossible with God tonight. Let's stand to our feet. And as we do, I want faith to rise up in you. I want us to go into this Christmas week with faith. I want us to go into this Christmas week believing that there's nothing God cannot do. There's nothing God cannot change. There's nothing God cannot heal. Amen. How many have got that faith tonight? How many have got some faith building up inside of you? Amen. We're going we're gonna to open this altar, and I want you to take this altar by the, by the horns. I want you to take this altar and get a hold of it, and I want you to come, and I want you to begin. I, you don't have to have a lot of words tonight, but I want your words to be faith. I want your words to be, this is the attitude. They don't have to be exactly this, but I want you to come and I want you to say, Lord, I'm going to stop trying to do what I know only you can do. I'm going to release my hands off these situations. And I want you to come and I want you to express faith. And I want you to say, Lord, I believe that you are able. How many can do those two things tonight? I'm going to stop trying to do what only you can do. And I'm, I'm going to express faith and say, I believe that you are able. Sometimes that's all you can get out of your mouth. Sometimes that's all you've got. But if you'll just do that with faith, God will save you. Think about some of those people in the Bible. 
think about that man that had leprosy and had to go dip seven times. Four, five, six times going down thinking nothing's happening. But he had just enough faith to say, I believe you're able. I believe you're able. And he just obeyed. Think about that man who had been sick for 40 years at that pool and could never get in it. He said, but I believe if I can just get in that water, I can be healed. How about that woman with an issue of blood for 12 years? And she said, I, I've, I've never, never been to every doctor. I've wasted every dime I've got. But all of a sudden, faith rose up and she said, I, God, you're able. If I can just touch him, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. It's your faith that saves you. It's your faith that heals you. It's your faith that will save your marriage. It's your faith that will turn your finances around. It's your faith that will do what only God can do. Amen. All he's wanting you to do tonight is express faith. Amen. Praise God. Let's open up these altars. Let's come and find a place. I want you to come and do those two things in your prayers. As we begin to sing, God, I'm going to stop doing what only you can do, and I believe you're able. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.